0: Hello, good people. We'd like to invite everybody out to the Reserve in Brooklyn, German Society's next event. The Reserve is a pop-up series and interactive marketplace for brands, products, and services. So this is a a multi-sensory experience. We're going to have a live photo shoot. We're going to have curated DJ sets as we support a lot of dope, creative entrepreneurs on the come up. We have everything from handcrafted candles to books to apparel lines and is sponsored by black gold vape so i hope to see everybody there um if you have time come out to brooklyn for a great experience while we support support a lot of these entrepreneurs in our community you can rsvp at the reserve i repeat the reserve see you there
1: Welcome to another episode of Driven Minds. Your host, Franz Bowen. Yo, it's your co-host, Trav Weeks. Got another ill guest in the building, yes, though. Sir. I'm I'm super hyped. This you know what I'm saying? Guy. First of all, let me just introduce him as the homie, number one. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that, that's going to get my Instagram likes up a little bit. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, former content director of Revolt Media and TV. Right. Founding member of the collective... Political action committee Yes sir You know what I'm saying Um Well How how do I say this Uh National HBU Outreach coordinator Um Absolutely In the what HBCUs for Okay HBCUs, yes, Um sir. And I, I, I kind of wrote this down Recklessly I,
2: I, I, I can I could I jump in if you want me to Yes you can <laughs> Because
1: <laughs> Right now it says Optical appointee And I know that's not what It's supposed to what. say
2: That's not Shout out to <laughs> nah, I was uh, the political I was um, political appointee in the Obama administration. Fire. Um, before that, I was the uh, National HBCU Outreach Coordinator for the Obama campaign. Fire. 2008, yeah, back in the day. Nice. nice. I'm going to have ten, to drop ten, bombs ten, on this almost episode. Almost 10 years ago. Right. I'm so old.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the illustrious Rashawn Drakeford.
0: Rashawn Drakeford, yeah, man, how... How I know Rashad was actually uh, interesting, right? Cause I remember um, I read the article on you on Forbes and I thought it was a dope article. And I've been following you probably for like, maybe like a few, uh, some time before that. And um, so I'm producing this event, Impact Culture. I feel like I talk about this event a lot, but this event was a lot. Y'all
1: should definitely come out to the next one.
0: In Philly in April, but um, yeah, so. I was producing an event, and I'm like, yo, we need some really dope palinists. Like, who would, who, who would, um, you know, the team reach out to? Who would people love to see? Who's like a voice for culture, really doing a thing and making the plays behind the scenes? I was like, yo, if I could get Rashad Drakeford on the panel, this shit would be dope. You know what I mean? And um, I made a call to my homegirl Cam. Shout out to Cam, shout out to, shout Cam. Out to Killer Cam, you know Cam I mean? Killer Cam. For her Cam was like, um, I'm like, yo, Cam, you think, think you'd be interested? Like, I don't know. Cam was like, yo, I'm a, I'm a related information. I can't make no guarantees, but I'll I relate the info. And, yo, he showed up, man, and he did it. And ever since then, you know, we've been, um, we've been good folks. We've been good friends. And, um, you know, I got to see, um, I just got to see the the progress from that point of of Enrichard's life. And it's been nothing. Nothing less than inspiring. So we want to Absolutely. thank you again, brother, for you know uh, coming on the Driven Minds podcast. Absolutely. So let's take it back a little bit. Let's think about mm-hmm. where you started
2: and mm-hmm. where you're from. Yeah, born and raised, you know, Queens, New York. Um, okay. Son of of Chris Christina and uh, Reginald Drake Ford. Um, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, I always anytime I I speak, I always give like you know so much, so many props to my parents. I have, like the best. As yes, you parents. should best parents in the world like before i was born and my parents didn't go to college and like before i was born um they had like a college like you know um um uh, uh, what you call like a john hancock college fund for me before i was born oh, wow. it's like, so like before i was born they knew like yo this kid's gonna you know go on and do and do things so oh, wow. you know my parents are amazing hardest working people in the world
0: nice yeah. nice nice indeed indeed um so at that point now, um, so Queens I actually explains now the boss connection because I seen yeah. you link with Dreamville and whatnot. I know yeah. Boston Queens already, right, yeah. right? So actually, that's that explains a lot. Yeah,
2: I, I met boss. I met boss in college. It's funny, like you know, we had. Are you uh, went to St. John's? No, no, I went to Hampton. Oh, University. Hampton. Okay, okay. So the funny, the funny part about it is um, when I got to Hampton, it was you know, it's like how did we not meet in Queens, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so many uh, mutual connections, but. Um, Boss, he went to Hampton like his freshman year. Uh, he left after that, but uh, but yeah, like we 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 ran um, we ran all, all across Hampton, Virginia together. Me, Boss, and shouts like Mad and Dre and Chad and Kev, uh, the whole crew from Hampton. You know, like we're all friends to this day. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Dope,
0: dope, dope. Yeah. So you started first in the political arena, with getting your feet wet. Yeah, and um, in policy, well, um, talk to us more about that. How did that start?
2: Yeah, so the funny part about it was, um, I was um kind of, I was kind of talking to this girl, and uh, she was at that time graduating from Harvard, and she was like, "Yo, it's always a woman, it, always yeah. a woman involved. All the <laughs> so great shout things. Shout out that, to the <laughs> women that yeah. just you that, know, that with the plugs. With, yeah, black girl too. magic. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> she um, she's like, you know, I'm moving out of my dorm. Can you help me move out? And I'm like, sure, sure. So I came up to um. Came up to Cambridge in Massachusetts, Harvard, to help her move out. And um, while I'm there, she's like, yo, this guy named Barack Obama, he's speaking in Manchester New Hampshire. It's like his mm. first like speech up there. Um, would you want to go up there? Because he's a Harvard alum. They're going to have buses taking students from Harvard to New Hampshire. It's a short, not that long of a drive. Right. Mm. So we get up there, and um, I'm like, you know, I heard of him a little bit. I didn't know too much about him, but I heard of him. And um we, we get there, he's late, it's raining outside, it's cold, I'm like, yo, this is kinda whack as fuck. Like I'm like, I'm ready, yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and then he comes out, um, gives like one of the best speeches I've ever heard. Of course. Um, and like his this is idealism for America, just his um his his view is like this is his point of view on on um where he wanted to see the country go. Um, I was blown away. Mm. And I said to this random dude next to me, I didn't know a dude from nowhere, random dude next to me, I'm like, I think this guy could win. Hmm. And he's like, you really believe that? I'm like, yeah, he's like, well my name's Hans Riemer, I'm the national youth vote director of the campaign, do you wanna join the campaign? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then we got on the call, next thing you know, I was the national HBCU outreach director, uh, coordinator, excuse me. Oh wow. Um, you know, coordinating like all, across all the HBCUs for the campaign. Oh wow! And um, so, like before the South Carolina primary, we organized about 300 uh, young young people from uh, historically black colleges and universities. Wow! Um, f- across the South to come to to South Carolina to knock on doors, make phone calls on behalf of the campaign. Wow. And after that, I got you know you know notoriety within the campaign. So yeah, I get yeah. phone calls like, "Yo, like you know, see what you're doing, love what you're doing," and uh, and it's been. It's been amazing ever since. So after that, um, you know, uh, after he won, I was asked to join the uh, the administration. So I did that. I worked for Secretary Chu. He's, he was the Secretary of Energy. And uh, yeah, man, it was it was, um, it was a good run. I, I had a good time.
0: All right. So it's
2: so after his first speech, you already knew like this guy off rip. I mean, and you you'll you meet my parents. Mm-hmm. And when you meet them, ask them about that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I came back from that trip. I turned my parents' living room into, like, the Obama headquarters. Like, <laughs> it was, like, signs everywhere, wow. pamphlets, yeah. speeches on the TV. Like, I had, like, I was on CNN 24-7, yeah. emails all day. Like, I was, my, my mom was, funny enough, my mom was, like, the biggest Obama supporter now. But at the time, she was like, why don't you go work for Hillary? Because we're from New York. Right, right and, yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. my you know, I had, like, local political connections they were like Mom was like just swore for hillary like she's gonna win you'll get a job like this is stupid why are you doing this i'm like mm-hmm. nah this dude could really win i'm telling you and then mm-hmm. you know sure enough you know he wound up winning um so i was like one of the best decisions ever like i worked in the in the energy department worked on like the recovery act you know uh worked on the oil spill the bp oil spill mm-hmm. um you know worked on like renewable energy summits across the world like it was incredible it was like I was like twenty three twenty two, twenty three years old. Mm. So it was like the best experience I've
1: ever like, Now we gotta deal with this orange fool talking about cole.
2: Yeah, this dude's wild, man. Um you know, <laughs> I, 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 I I I was I wrote I've been saying to people that I wrote this on Facebook today, I was like, as bad as he, as this is, you know, I've been over the past few days I've been talking to a lot of people that have never really been involved in politics, that are now like, um, you know, um, joining community boards and thinking about running for local office and fundraising for progressive political action committees and, and, and like, you know, super engaged and reading the paper or, like, what's going on. And Trump's presidency is giving a rise to a new era of progressive leadership, a new era of, um, of political awareness, a new era of, um, you know, of, of massive resistance, um, and I, i'm 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 incredibly hopeful because you know i'm i'm incredibly hopeful hopeful me, i can't speak sorry it's the it's the jack daniels um <laughs> I'm incredibly hopeful um of the future because i think that we're gonna see so many leaders come out of this moment mm-hmm, and 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 you know being the black man in america we've been through worse right right Trump is bad but like I try I to mean, remind people that yeah, that definitely been through being black. I mean, being black man in America. I mean, we've like we've seen like my like my grandmother's like was around in Monroe, North Carolina in the 1940s and 50s. Right, right. You know, um, you know, we've seen black black men literally shot 40 times and the cops get off. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. So
2: like, right, right. Um, so this is bad. But you know, I I I urge everyone to kind of find find the hope in this. Uh, Dr. King said something I thought, you know, one of my friends, she texted me yesterday, one of my white friends, she, um, you know, she was like, you know, this is so bad, this is horrible. And, you know, white folks, a lot of them not, they're I used to, like, you know, yeah, going yeah. through um, some, you know, painful <laughs> moments like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I keep going back to the King's quote of, Dr. King always said, only when it's dark enough can you see the stars. Mm-hmm. So only when things are this gloomy do you see the greatness that that exists in people? Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. I, think you know what I mean, the, right. I agree. Yeah. I think through this time you're gonna see some
0: some leaders step up, and then For even sure. like the Minister Loose Farrakhan says a lot of our leaders are artists. But I think this phase is gonna see the leaders that um the people who are providing information, people who can mobilize people. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see those guys step up. Yep. definitely. And speaking even of that transition because. You know, you started with politics, but we've seen, you know, you transition to be somebody who's a leader in culture. Somebody who, you you know, behind the scenes is making the plays and, you know, creating the scenarios to put, to give a platform for other young brothers, other young Mm -hmm. individuals to get on. Um, From politics to, like, starting the content and getting into events and marketing, how did that transition happen?
2: Um, So, Rwanda even before Obama, when I was in high school, I... um, I was walking to the uh to the train station and there was a Black Enterprise uh magazine in a newsstand and it had two black dudes in suits spinning basketballs in their hand and it said co-executives of the year. I'm like, "Yo, who are these brothers like, hmm. you know what I'm saying? I've never seen before." So I bought the magazine and it was Tudema Ushery, he was the president of Dallas Mavericks. Okay. And Steve Mills, he was the senior VP of um of business operations for Madison Square Garden Sports. Oh,
0: nice.
2: And so I read the magazine, I still have it to this day. I had, it was highlighted, circled every like I was like breaking the, that shit down. Um I was so like just blown away um to see like these fairly young black men like you know David Stern saying like these people could be like the next Commissioners of the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. So I was just like blown away by that. So, to age myself a little bit, I went on AOL.com <laughs> and I researched both of them and find their contact information. And um, I emailed both of them. I was like, you know, my name's Rashad Drakeford. I'm, you know, a junior at Forest High School. Um, I want to become the first black commissioner of the NBA. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for me? <laughs> and Steve Mills never responded. Tadima Ushery did. And he became, like, a mentor of mine ever since. Wow. And I never, and I tell young people this all the time, when we talk about the importance of networking, and I hate that word. I don't believe in network. I believe in building relationships. Right. Yeah. I never asked Redeemer for anything. Literally never. Like, it was always, like, um, you know, never asking for a job, never asking for, like, it was more so, like, just, like, advice. Like, you know, right, right, what are your thoughts on this? Hey, I'm looking to apply to these schools. Happy Father's Day. Merry Christmas. Um, You know, stuff like that. And, you know. He in a sense kind of almost saw me like grow up. And so after the Obama years, you know, I, I reached out to him. I was like, you know, listen, um, my father my father was was not was not doing too well here in New York. So I was leaving the administration to move back to New York. I wanted to give my father a kidney. We could talk about that. Um, oh, wow. But um so move back to New York I was like, Listen, I, I'm looking to you know, my my dream was always working in sports and entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, the Obama thing, I kind of almost fell into that. Yeah. But sports entertainment uh, was always kind of my thing. I thought I wanted to be a sports entertainment lawyer, um, but I ain't not go to law school. So uh, I reached out to him. I was like, listen, I, my dream is to work at Master Square Garden Company. I, I would love to work there. Is there anything anything you could do to kind of get me an interview there? And he's like, let me see what I could do. So like two weeks pass, and I get an email from Scott O'Neill. He's the president, he was the president of MSG Sports. He's like, Tudema Ushri says you're a star. What are you looking to do? I was like, oh shit. Like, this is crazy. crazy. Like wow. Is. This is like Scott Neal. So for people in sports, like they'll get this. Like, he was on the 40 on the 40 list for, for sports business um journal. Mm-hmm. Like he's like one of the GOATs in like sports. Like he's mm-hmm. like one of the best sales and marketing minds. Like, just a, a beast, like a boss. And so he's like, What are you looking to do? And like, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know. So, I went on like the Knicks website. I went to the staff directory mm. and like it was like ticket sales. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that shit. That shit sounds, <laughs> sounds whack. And then it was like law. Like, clearly I can't do that. I'm a lawyer. Mm. Um, and I saw like it was like marketing and like suites. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. But I saw marketing partnerships. I had no fucking idea what that was. But it, felt, but it yeah. sounded cool yeah. as fuck. Wow. Marketing partnerships. Like that. I was like, ooh, that sounds fancy as shit. So, I, I wrote him back. I was like, marketing partnerships. And he was like, all right. He's like, um, I'm going to connect you with the person who has the group. Connect you with that guy. And that guy, he's like, we're going through a transition in that group. We're like re- restructuring the organization. And now of that, I think there will be some new openings that come with that. Fast forward, um, I go and interview for, for the role. Once they kind of like went through the reshuffling. And I was the first hire in a new um, sports entertainment partnerships group. Mm. Um, so that group was in charge of doing all the marketing partnerships um, for the all the non Knicks Rangers and Liberty um, park, properties so the Rockettes Radio City LA Forum the Wayne Theater um, I'm missing some other Chicago Theater um, oh, College so Hoops the College that Hockey same
1: group owns all of those different yeah, so stuff oh,
2: okay. so square garden company mm. then you have like the Knicks Rangers and Liberty that's like one group and then you have like all the other properties that the garden owns. So
1: even like Rockefeller Center and
2: well, it wasn't Rockefeller Center. It was more the, the Rockettes, the Rockettes, and the Radio City. Okay. So if you ever been to like Radio City like during Christmas time, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Christmas time they have the the Christmas spectacular. So like we did marketing partnerships for that. So for those that may not understand what marketing partnerships are, um, that's those that's the group uh, we we would sell. Um, um, partnerships to advertisers So like an advertiser like Pepsi Would be interested in like Being an um, To be Being a like um, A sponsor For For um, For um, Like Radio City They would become like They would be the official pour So they would like actually Like you have Pepsi cups When you go into the Radio City Right You right, would see right, 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 Pepsi right, right. may be in the show Or Pepsi inside the playbill And shit like that Gotcha. So we would sell those type of deals. Got you. See, so that's oh, yeah.
0: It was cool. It was cool. Absolutely. So at this point, you started um, transitioning too. Like, have at this point, was ideas of different marketing campaigns coming to you, or yeah? So that's that, you started cultivating yeah.
2: And that? since it was a new group, like that was my my role. My role was like to kind of find um, like you know like new and creative ways um, to kind of like sell to kind of sell um, you know partnerships. So and because there's a new group there, there was no like there was no kind of like um framework. So I had to come up with just new ideas all the time. Mm-hmm. And so like that was kind of like that that was that was kind of like the thing to do. So sorry guys, we're fixing the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um get comfortable though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. To- absolutely. So yeah, so that was um yeah, so that was an incredible, incredible experience, and that kind of like led me to I'm sorry it was along with the answer, but that's how I wound up no, in, no. in, we in got that space.
0: Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's um, cause that sounds good. Cause if, also, what I when I realized when I learned about you, cause it's funny when I wanted you on the panel. Cam was like, "Well, why do you like Rashad?" She was like, it was like <laughs> "Almost like a test. Like, why? Tell me what you like about him. Or why do you want him to be on?" The that panel. was a Cam type answer about it. You me. know, definitely right? <laughs> yeah. like Cam. She wanted to prove why I should reach out. I'm like, "Yo, yeah. I, I, you know, I did my research. I feel like I saw his campaign for um, you know um." It's from straight, straight out of Compton. Yeah, I knew you guys. You knew you worked on that and um, different campaigns of what that matters. So, when you,
2: you keep going. Yeah, keep it at that
0: point when you then went on um um
2: the transition from there, when did the opportunity with Revolt come come in? So, the Revolt thing was funny. Um, you know, I was in a role um, at, at at an agency that I wasn't like. It wasn't the best place, mm. and my roommate at the time, shout out to R.J. Harris, like one of my best friends in the world. R.J. He was like um, Puff is starting a TV network, right. um, and uh, he's like, I think you'd be a good fit for him. Like, I'm like, I don't know about working for Puff. I'm like, you know, I don't know. Like, right. he right. TV he's like, I, don't I don't even like cheesecake. You know, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you if people have asked me if I if I got him cheesecake. Right. but well, um, it has to be a comic word. So, I, you know, I was like, I I'm good off that. And then he would send me, like, the videos, like, you know, Puff kind of explained, like, the concept behind Revolt. And then um, then Puff was at, at Con France, at the Con Lion Festival, and uh, he was on a panel with, like, Steve Stout mm. talking about, like, why he was launching Revolt. Yeah. And I was blown away by that interview. Mm. Like, it was so thoughtful and, like, understanding, like, what he was trying to do to create this um, – you know this incredible um, platform for for artists, mm-hmm. and I was really I was like I was really kind of inspired by it, and so I honestly shot cold email to the uh, to the head of marketing. I told wow. her I was like you know, you know I'm a big fan of what you guys are trying to do, what you try how you're working to like shift culture, mm-hmm. and um, here's my experience, and I'd be interested in um, you know, in in, in, in a role. Right. Yo. I got emailed back in two hours. Real quick, yeah. what are the titles of your emails? Because your email
1: game is strong, <laughs> my your brother. Like, lines, what's the subject? Because <laughs> like, you're emailing these people directly, and like right, you're getting yeah, these yeah. responses. Like, yeah. it has to be something like uh special. Like, and you know all, what I mean? And
0: also, what makes you what who put it inside of you that
2: yo know, you can just go out and just get it like that? What made you feel that confident? Like, you know, honestly, I I never to answer your question. I never um. I don't know if it, was, if it was something instilled in me. It was more so like, at the end of the day, right? What's the worst someone could tell you, say say to me? No, no right or there. or like Steve Mills, don't answer. No, like right. I'll be all right. I'm gonna live, right? I'll be cool. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like you just, you gotta go and get what you know. Closed mouths don't get fed. You, mm. you have to go after what you want. Message. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so um, the revolting. I was like, yeah, like and, you know, I knew I had the experience. Like there's a new network, they're mm-hmm. gonna be looking to get advertisers. Like, I've done that, like, you know, right, right. at the garden. Like, I've dri- helped drive almost $40 million in, in like, revenue there. Mm. So I knew, like, I had the experience, like, that they would need. Right, right, and right. so it kind of it coupled, like, the two things that I, I really care about, which, like, you know, I love the opportunity to kind of help brands, you know, authentically speak to, you know, our culture and the things that we care about. Mm-hmm. And also, like, to be a part of a new network that was trying to do something really d- new, and different, and cool. Right, right, um, right, right, right. And and you know growing up like Puff was like, yeah, the like man. The, Puff was the God. Like I was like, was yeah, like you know true. what I'm saying? That's growing okay. up in New York,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, my cousin always was, told me like, yo, Trav, all he used to look up to was was Puff. Like that yeah. was just he had it all together. Like you all the especially for a, you know it's dark skin. Yeah, so yeah, know, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I wore the, the suit man.
2: I wore to my prom was a replica of what Puff had wore to like a VMA. Mm. Uh, a VMA uh, uh, Show oh, Like yeah Did like like, yeah. the like
0: the j outfit on too You did
2: it like nah. that. <laughs> no shade that. to my prom date But like <laughs> She couldn't do that If she wanted to She couldn't do it If she Yo, wanted they to
1: They're gonna look up your prom is right? they gonna find that Not real. look her up Lord Man That was That was years ago Many moons Many moons wait, wait,
0: but no, nah, that's all. So, yeah, but yeah. As far as to
2: answer your question about the emails, though, like it was to answer your question about the email, I mean, it. You know, I'm a. I I don't like long emails, mm-hmm. so I try to always keep my emails like if I'm if I, if it's like a, a cold email like that, I always tell people like keep it to, like two um, two paragraphs tops, and just hit out the gate like people are busy, right? Mm-hmm. And so like no one is, is going to read your whole life story and mm-hmm. everything hit the, hit it out the gate like yo here's my name here's what I'm here's what I'm looking to do like kind of just come come out with it and um, yeah. it's it's easy for people to digest and i think you know for the revolt team they're like looking to build a team and like you know I, I i like not not only did i attach my resume but i attached like samples of the decks and case studies of things i've done mm, okay. and so like she easy, easy, easily was able to answer, open the email and be like oh this guy, guy is, is doing exactly what we need uh, and so yeah Got you, got you, got you. So that's dope, man.
0: Um, leaving off of that, like, um, you had the ex- you have had a certain amount of experience at Revolt, and I know you've worked with a lot of artists. A lot of artists have reached out to you to try to get on the Revolt. How was that? Re- how was that experience, and how was the nature of um um artists now into today? If we could talk about like as far as the platform Revolt provides and what artists need now. How is that culture now, and how how did that how did you view that as far as artists coming up to you? How do you view what artists need now, and what different platforms can do to, to be that stepping stone for artists?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's interesting now the way that the way that you know we're kind of set up. Um, artists don't even need a platform anymore. Like they don't need like you know a revolt or even a complex. I mean, those things are good because it kind of gives you like that. That check, you know, mm-hmm. that, or like that, 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 um, that co right, right. but I mean, you know, between, you know, your own social, your own social platforms and SoundCloud, you know, you're almost, you're basically able to kind of, you know, do your own, right, right. do your own thing and build your own marketing plan and, and talk directly to, um, consumers. Um, but, but, you know, being at Revolt, what was interesting, like, you know, yeah, a lot of artists were like, reach out. Um, but, you know, we had an incredible, you know, music, We have Revolt has excuse me, I you know this former thing is very recent, so it's hard to 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 get out of that. But uh, but Revolt has an amazing music programming team like Cena and Kelly G, who and and then on the talent side like people like Dana Jeter who are super like. In touch with like um, culture and the pulse of culture and what's happening, and even people that don't even work in those groups, like you know you bring up Cam and people like Aaron and like you know even myself that are like we're constantly out and touching the culture, touching the people, mm-hmm. and getting a sense of like what's popping and what's hot, yeah, yeah. and like you know we always want Revolt to kind of be at the the forefront of culture. Um, when, Re- when Revolt first launched, like, we put a lot of people on, a lot of artists that now, like, kind of mm-hmm. popping, like, Revolt was, like, their first, like, their first stop, right,
0: right, right, you know, right. and
2: it's, like, that was, like, super incredible and super amazing for us, that, you know, that was something we were able to kind of um, hang our hat, hat on in the culture, mm-hmm. so, like, always, like, trying to find ways to, to keep doing that, and then also amplifying amazing stories. of artists so not not just like you know come here play your music and have your video on revolt but like Mm -hmm. how do we how can we like create a story around the things that you create a story around around you as the person like kind of bring you to life and draw like you know um viewers and consumers into who you are Mm -hmm. um so that was a lot of work that i was doing you know was trying to help um you know tell amazing um, stories from artists how did
1: you how did your uh your experience previously in the political sphere um help in the social sphere? I mean, obviously you've worked with like uh millennials and you've developed that relationship and you kind of know you have your finger on the pulse. But at the same time, like what are some other intangibles that you had that you know helped you in that transition?
2: Um yeah, I think with um when I think about the about politics, like um, it 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 was very helpful because at the end of the day, like my role was crisis management, um, you know, problem solving. Um, yeah, like you you yeah, your crisis management, problem solving, like you're doing all that every single day. I was you know like I was 20, I was 23 years old working on like leading the the um you know the logistical effort around getting all the key people that we need to get down to the BP oil spill. Wow. Like you know what I'm saying? Like wow. making sure like all the right scientists and and um political appointees were there right. and could, you know, um help, you know, address the issues down there. Like so like and, and there was no one holding my hand. Like I just had to go and do it. Mm. You know? And so make sure like when they got there they were meeting the right people and right, like, right. you know make sure like everything down to like the whole the right hotels were booked and the food was there and right, you right, know right. And, and and stuff like that so like um with that type of experience like I, I to this day i always tap back into it when we talk about solving problems or like issues happen i always tap into like all right like I, don't get emotional about it like take a step back how do we how do we fix the issue and like mm. you know what's the problem and let's reverse engineering to an answer Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Cause relationship management has been like one of the key things I can tell for you. And yeah, mm-hmm. um, like you said, even you don't even like the word networking, you like yeah. building relationships. Yeah. So for somebody starting out in this game, trying to, you know, um be a part of this 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 culture and be one of the uh um the people one of the people that people come to for resources and media and marketing, how do you develop those relationships? Like what are your what are your keys as far as meeting somebody, following them up, following up, making sure that you guys have a relationship so potentially down the line you guys can work together.
1: Yeah, because it's like super awkward for some individuals.
0: Absolutely. Some people can't get the networking game down, you know? You seem to have mastered that in a way,
1: in a sense. I mean, we just can't went to your... A birthday party, and that, that thing was. Lit. I just want to say for <laughs> the record that the networking in there was sublime.
0: After, yo, you could network in, you know, enjoy the vibes, get a drink, like all of that at a Rashad. Drake exactly.
1: There it. were a lot of um, lovely, know. educated sisters in there, and Absolutely. I just want to pick of, them up one time. There was a lot
2: of black girl magic in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look at, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I build relationships with people, I, I, I have relationships with people that I like. Like you know, like I, don't, I I'm not good at the fake game. Like there are people like you know mm-hmm. they can play the fake game to, you know, garner a favor or something out of mm-hmm. someone. That's not my thing. Like, like I have a bad poker face. Like, if I don't like if I don't <laughs> fuck with you, like you know, like yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's it. No, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like you know if I if I'm genuinely interest genuinely interested in who you are, genuinely genuinely interested in what you're about, like then. That's the people I build relationships with. Right, right. And so, like for me, it's like it's very it's a very simple formula, you know. Like I'm not gonna spend time like hanging out with people that right, I don't right. want to be around. Mm-hmm. Life's too short for that. And so, like, yeah. So the, you know, I, um, you know, I've been able to build like some really amazing re- relationships with a lot of different people. Um, and a lot of it's just like you know there were just so many um, overlapping interests and in, um and in, and in, in different things that we do. And so, um, you know, it just made it kind of, like, very seamless Mm -hmm. um, in building those relationships. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just, like, you know, build relationships with people that you actually want to be around. Build relationships with people that you actually can hang out with. Right, right. You know? Absolutely. You know? Uh, Yeah, that's that's my, that's kind of my my thought process around that. Yeah, people that, you mentioned people that maybe, like, have a hard time of like, getting the the muster or whatever to, like, go and just talk to people. Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, like, the worst someone can say to you is no or I can't or they don't respond. Right. You and you'll live. you you're gonna be all right. You're you know what I'm saying? So exactly.
1: Tell us about a, a, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges of, of being Rashad Drakeford in, in terms of, you know, navigating the the space, like just not only like tangibly but like digitally as well. Like what are some what are some um I guess uh, roadblocks that you came across in your political sphere and in your uh, post-political sphere and how you overcame those? Mm.
2: Um, that's a good question, I never really, never really thought about that. Um, I think um, the challenges I mostly face now um you know i'm still in this interesting phase of like you know have you know kind of like um i don't know i'm almost still in the phase of like proving to myself you know what i'm do like proving to myself that that i am doing what i'm supposed to do mm. i don't know if that makes sense like all the time like people come up to me like yo I, like you inspire me you're doing this that like i love that and, like, you know, I, like, I, that's a blessing to me. Like, I'm, I'm happy when I hear that type of stuff. Like, you know, it, it makes me feel good that I could be a blessing to someone else or inspire someone else. But for me, like, I'm still on this journey. And I'm, like, you know, still trying to kind of figure this thing out. Yeah, that, that, that's the, that's always, like, you know, my biggest, my biggest competition has always been myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've always, um, you know, uh, pride myself on, like, trying to, um you know, meet the expectations I have for myself. Like no one, no one's harder on me than me. Right, right. And um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the other challenges that, that I've always dealt with, I think was just like, um, you know, on on, I guess on paper, like might like, be in certain rooms, I wouldn't fit in. Like right. in the in the creative room. You know, they're looking like, oh, like who's this, who's this guy? Like, you know, and <laughs> uh, in the political room, it's like, all right, like uh, he's not in this space anymore. Yeah, so yeah. who's this guy? Yeah, right, right. And then like in the rich boy rooms, like it's like, who's this? Who's this guy? <laughs> right. And so like, like you know, so for me, like I've always had a hard time kind of fitting in. Funny enough, mm. like in a lot of spaces I'm in, like I never like fully like kind of have been accepted in the sense. Mm. And so part of my thing is, like, that's been a challenge of mine. Then, then when you start talking to them, then they're like, oh, shit, now I know why he's here. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, you know, a lot of judging by, you know, a book by its cover versus, like, yeah, getting, yeah. getting getting to know me. So that's something I've dealt with for a while. But Absolutely. Does that affect you, good.
0: or to this point now, it's like, you know, you just keep pushing. Just keep it pushing, man. Absolutely. Keep it pushing.
1: Oh, you, yeah. you, you briefly mentioned this. You, um, you, you spoke about that you had to... Uh, Donate a kidney to your father, Yeah. yeah. and well, first, I, I, doing, just, just really quickly, um, speaking about personal challenges, sometimes like life tests us in like different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some pe- some people's challenges might not be professionally, but it'll come in like a, a more like close to home, mm-hmm. uh, kind of challenge. Which it appeared for you. What was that experience like, and mm-hmm. well, how did you power through? How did you you muster the will?
2: And what was yeah. the des- how was that decision? Yeah, I mean, I mean at, I mean, at the end, like. My father has, um, you know, without my pops, I'm not here. Like, mm. well, clearly, like scientifically, <laughs> but like, but in like actuality, like my pops. Um, I was just saying it's not too long. I was doing uh, doing an interview. I was talking about, and I was like, when I went to private school, um, you know, K through eight, and he he was laid off. Well, not laid off, excuse me. His job was. He's a union guy, so his job was on strike. Okay and so to make sure my brother and I our lives weren't disrupted he um he took a job as like a busboy at the local hotel the marriott by oh, wow. our house and a grown man right there word and then was a was a um worked in the back what you call in the back rooms of like the gap okay. like the stock room he was oh, a stock wow. boy at the gap wow The grown man making decent money that took those jobs to make sure like his kids and his wife like that our lives weren't shifted with him being out at work, hmm. and like that kind of like encompasses like it gives you an idea like how my, how dope my pops is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so here's someone who's always provided, always gave, always gave, always gave, mm-hmm. and here's this one time where like he needed someone to give to him. Wow. So for me to be able yeah. to do that, you know, it All wasn't right. even a question. And uh, it was definitely a scary process. Like you know, I was I was at a hospital like or uh yeah like I was like I was, like. like Long, out was it called? Uh, North Shore, North Shore Hospital. Yeah. Like once a week, on doing blood tests and like they can do a psychological test to make sure you're like of sound mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they test all your bodily fluids, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and you're just going through the shit, like C- CT scans, all types of stuff. Um, I had to lose weight, did that. Um, so it was, and then like you know, after it was over. Um, for like six weeks, I couldn't even sit, stand up straight because, like, because where the cut was mm-hmm. on my body, like you know, so you had to, it was it was in like you know they were afraid of blood clots, so you have to keep moving and walking. So it was definitely a tough recovery process, and I was starting a new job at the same time. Oh, wow. So like that that was bad. I went back too soon, and I actually got sick, and then I had to go back to the hospital because oh, wow. I was rushing back too fast. But um, but yeah, um, it was uh. Like it wasn't even a question to do it for him. Right. Yeah. Is that is he
0: the most influential person in your life? Yeah. Definitely. Gotcha. Definitely. That's his work
2: cool. ethic, um, his way of um, like the way he uh, provides for his family. Um, he's involved in the church. The way he treats my mom, like he's mm-hmm. a good dude. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's dope, man. Like, what I, I I'm just gonna pick your brain right now because yeah. that's what I wanna do. Shoot. Uh, what kind of books do you read? Like, where, or, or even, even in uh, addendum to that question, um, what, what motivates you? Like, what drives you? Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Right now, funny that I'm opening my bag. I'm reading this book right now by Brian Stevenson. It's called uh, Just Mercy. It's a Mm -hmm. really good book. Um, it's about uh, you know, finding justice for, for people on death row and like you know, some of the, the challenges, the systematic challenges of, you know, within the criminal justice system in America is a really, really, really good book. Mm. Um, so I'm reading that right now. Another book that I recommend to people that, you know, are in the process of probably managing people is a book by Ben Horowitz called The Hard Thing, The Hard Thing, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Okay, I think I heard it. It's, yeah, it's a really, really, really good book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ben Horowitz, he's uh, one of the founders of Andreessen Horowitz is mm-hmm. one of the top VC funds in in, uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two books that are really big on me. Another book that really changed my life was the about mal- was about autobi- Autobiography of Malcolm X. Alex Haley. Oh, Alex Haley. Lit. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest books ever. Um, yeah, those are so yeah. That's so, the yeah. Alex Haley's about autobi- autobiography of Malcolm X changed my life forever. Um, the hard thing about hard things was really influ- it was really impactful for me as I started to manage people. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then, like you know, I've some other books that I'm looking to, to jump into. So I won't recommend them yet until I read them. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, those, that's that's what I'm reading right now. I, like and I try like the um, another book. Oh, another book that I, I read that I love um, is the Death of a King. Mm. It's um, by Tavis Smiley. It's a book on Dr. King's last li- last year alive. It's really, really good. It gives you like a really, really real good perspective. Because he started to transition his thought, right? I, I'm, I'm yeah, of, you know, yeah, I yeah. Always the, the feel king, the king that we that we hear about the dream. Right, you know, right, he's a different yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, who, who, who wrote that book? Tavis Smiley. Tavis it's called M- Death, oh, Death of a King. Death of a King. It's hey, a gosh. really, really good book. It's one I always one of my favorite
1: feel books. like the our leaders, like especially you know, kind of just listening to their their speeches or what have you, like towards the end of their lives when they became more um, free, free, woke. free and, and woke. free and woke but like you know malcolm started talking about just the the collective burden of just of of being a human being where mm-hmm. he went to when he made his hajj yeah he realized like yo there's muslims of every color mm-hmm. race yeah. creed and then even when um you know dr king started speaking about you know where he started to move his speech not not just towards civil rights but towards you know just kind of like just the socioeconomic, socioeconomic yep. and the, and the military industrial complex, you know, and, and just talking about that. And those were the points that were like, right. you know, that can really change the, the mind. I really feel that that's when it was taken from us. And it sucks because it's like, you know, we're always I don't even feel like as a as as a people we we pick up from where they left off. We're We're kind of just kind of stuck in the narratives of. You know where, because when you hear about Malcolm X, you you kind of hear about by any means necessary. Like you get that Malcolm X, you don't get the, the brotherhood, the brotherhood yeah, of, yeah. of of man Malcolm yeah. X, and and then and then you don't get Dr. King's. You know why I opposed the Vietnam War. You always exactly. get yeah. the you know march on Washington, which which was watered down, incidentally. Mm-hmm. You know that was supposed to be brothers raging. It wasn't yeah. supposed to be all you know peace of right. unity. And I, I really feel like you know individuals like yourself who are able to kind of you know, navigate through that information and, and to begin a new legacy right. of, of what it means to be um not even just professional but but just just manhood and the identity of 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 of, of being a man and and the identity of being a man of color yeah. and then push your work ethic and attach it. It's a it's a really beautiful um Marriage. yeah
0: I see no and it seems like you're getting back to that in a way I see you're the founder of PAC let us know um exactly mm-hmm. what that is and what do you, what do you guys um mission
2: yeah so I'm one of the founding members of the of um of the collective PAC it's a political action committee that's committed to um supporting training um and and um what's the other word I'm looking for supporting training and funding there's the most important word right <laughs> True and right. funding um um, um, candidates of color right. um, across the country that are running for office. And the idea behind that is voting is important. I always tell people, vote. Mm-hmm. But how do we make voting more impactful if we can start picking the candidates that we are voting for? Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of choosing between the lesser two evils or, right, right, right. or whatever. And so, to have a seat at the table, you got to start funding the table. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we were committed to raising funds around that, and we're so excited about um, 2017 and what we're going to do um, in this space. And um, you know, so yeah, I, I want everyone definitely you know follow the collective on uh, on uh, Instagram and and Facebook. Uh, you know, check out our website, mm-hmm. uh, thecollectivecollectivepack.org. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's really important work that we're trying to do there. Uh, yeah, so like you know, our, yeah, the goal was just like, let's start funding the candidates that align with our agenda. Absolutely. When we start talking about district attorneys that are not prosecuting police officers, we're gonna, you're not gonna prosecute police. Cool, we're gonna fund someone else to run run against you that will do that. Right, right. You know, and that's how we start changing. I think the policies that, um, that. That's one of the things that these are. This is one of the verticals that I think we can do to right. kind of change the policies that are impacting our communities.
0: Absolutely. And then um, impacting the community, how important is that for you as far as um, how that integrates with everything you do professionally, right? Because you seem to do it um, kind of almost naturally in a sense, mm-hmm. where every job you you, you have is really, you're part of a platform to 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 pretty much uplift and give people that. Um, that um the opportunity for them to win. Yeah. How how important is impact community? Like how 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 conscious of you
2: of that when you make your moves? Well, you know, yeah, like you said, it kinda comes natural. I I, I look at it like this, like I've never been to a funeral in my life where someone reads off your entire resume hmm. and the ROI you drove for a company, or true, true, true. what your key projection indicators were, and what you did for that. True, true. I've never been. i never been to that type of funeral. Mm-hmm. Funerals, when you go there, the like, people talk about how you made them feel, mm-hmm. how good of a person you were, um, how selfless you were. That, mm-hmm. I, that's what you typically hear, like nice funerals, right? Right, right? And so I think about, like, at the end of the day, like that's what people remember you by. Mm. It is not just how what you did for yourself, but like how you made the world a better place mm. Did you leave the world even if it's in your own community or in your own block or whatever did you leave that better than you found it? Mm. And so like that's something that's just like I don't know just naturally in me that I care about that type of stuff. so mm. for me, um you know that that just that's just part of my DNA to always you know kind of lean into that stuff. Whether I have the platform or not, I'm always going to do that. I've been that way since I was 13. Right, right. You know, so I um, mean, yeah, that's that, that's kind of my thought process behind that. It's just, you know, um, like I, I just, it, it just can't be about me. You know, me making it is not enough. We have to, um, we like, I want, I want everyone, I want, I want all my homies to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 want, I don't like. I don't have any friends that have been killed on the south side of Chicago, but, like, I care about that shit. Right, right. Because I know for a fact that there are kids that are being killed out there that are probably geniuses.
1: Yo, Travis says that all the time. Yeah. He's like, yo, you don't mean doctors, lawyers, scientists, yeah. like. Yeah. It
0: could be the cure for cancer in one of those kids.
2: Yeah, you know 100%. I mean? 100%. And so it goes to the conversation we were having uh, before we got on about right. the importance of, like, how do we retrain ourselves to identify talent Right. And where talent comes from and what talent looks like, mm-hmm. but yeah, and, that, and so like for me, that's the stuff that I care about. You know, it's like how do we kind of have as King, as Dr. King said, a dangerous level of of unselfishness, a dangerous level of empathy, mm. and I don't know, it's something I was just born with to kind of like think that way and be that way. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Gotcha so um now um you've worked initially with, uh, with the obama campaign mm-hmm. and now obama is definitely uh well he's he's out now you know he's on vacation he's on vacation
2: he's salute, he to the, salute
1: to the, brother enjoying on the fine salute to the joy to the with his wife
0: yeah. yeah absolutely and you're and you're a brother we talked to about you know a lot of um different um social moves and different mm-hmm. things we can do to impact um, the community and whatnot um not at Obama's out and there's rumors of him going back in the south side putting mm-hmm. in work there mm-hmm. What are some solutions that maybe you have thought of or some things that um, you know You feel like uh, he can do or we can do collectively to try to remedy that situation over there on the south side of Chicago
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you know with the Obama Foundation being based in Chicago um I, Like you know my assumption is that he'll definitely have more to say and more to do mm-hmm. um, You know with that um, What's going on there is very um, interesting. Like, yeah, I think I think he'll definitely be pushed into either wanting to or like he'll, some way, shape, or form. I think you'll see, um, you know, former President Obama speak out and get involved in what's going on there. I think a lot of the work that, that the administration did around the My Brother's Keeper was, I think, a good um, kind of like first step right, right. into addressing some of the issues that that we see there. Mm-hmm. Um, my assumption is that he'll probably lean into it more. Um, now that he's not in the office, but I think all of us have to kind of figure out a way to help help out in Chicago. Right, right, right. honestly, um identifying different organizations that are doing good work, helping how do we help fund them? How do we help give them resources that they need to kind of up the work they're doing? How do we create jobs um, in 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 the communities like Englewood where they're, they're really being hit hard yeah. uh, with the violence. Um, how do we create more quality schools? Mm-hmm. you know, um, poverty is a very um, lucrative business. True, true. There are a lot of folks that I think make a lot of money off of black folks and poor folks' pain in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, ending poverty, you know, puts a lot of people out of work. Think about that. Think about people. How many people would lose their? How many nonprofits would close? How many government programs would end? How many jobs would be lost if we if we actually eradicated poverty? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good business for, for some folks. Um, and so, people of goodwill, people um, that want to see this generation, that generation of, of folks, kind of rise up um, and cure cancer and 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 you know be that police officer, that firefighter, that doctor, that lawyer, that engineer. We have to find ways to step up. And um, there's some really good organizations that are doing great work out out there. I'm happy to share. I'll share some posts this and we can maybe put up on the website or something. Nice. For folks that want to get involved, like Father Flager, who does incredible work out there, he has an organization and he, he looks like to, um, to hire like 100 kids every summer for a summer program, but he hasn't been able to find the funding that he needs. So like that's something that I think we all could pitch in on. Mm-hmm. And give these kids some hope. I think that's what it comes down to. We have no hope. But I think we we're talking about these kids are dealing with PTSD. They're kids that have seen their friends literally die next to them. Think about how that would impact you. Right. You know. And so we have to find ways to give these young folks hope. I think that's something that we could really lean into um, as a collective group. Mm-hmm. You know. And you know, I think President Obama doing work is going to be very helpful. But I think all of us have to also, you know, do our fair share. I think. You know, when we look back on the Obama years in general, I think that's the biggest um, um, disappointment that I saw was that you know once Obama got in there, a lot of us just assumed that he yeah, got it. we, we kind of just laid, had, back. laid back. We yeah, laid back, yeah. That everything like was, we didn't come out in the yeah. midterms, elect, midterm elections. We weren't calling our senators and our congressional members mm-hmm. about different about different bills that were being held up. Um, You know, we weren't engaged. We didn't lean in. We kind of say all right we got him in there like he got the rest yo i
1: will say this though i think um by and large a lot of our uh neighborhoods are ignorant to how policy works or just how the political sphere Mm -hmm. works like they they're just kind of familiar with like the larger election and that's kind of it when it comes to like to like the councilmen aldermen senators or what have you nobody really knows the direct effect that it has on them in their neighborhood, right. so then when when they're like, "All right, well, we elect our representative to the highest office in the land," we can chill out because now he got us. But no, that's not true. Like, there's just a, a general, you know, um, uh, ignorance in that regard. Like, is there do you, do you think there's a remedy to that specific uh, part of me, specific uh, pain?
2: Yeah, I think we have to, in a sense, talk directly to people. Sometimes I think we talk over people. Yeah. like talk to people like yo you want that stop sign on that corner the group that does that, the, the, the group that makes sure that stop sign gets in your corner is the community board mm. so you need to get involved and join your community board right, right, right. If you want that better school in your neighborhood this how you like this is how you do it mm. you know um, like we have to kind of like we talk sometimes I think it's so philosophically and so on this high level it's like nah like the things you want in your community like this all happens on the local level you know, and so we have to start talking to folks that way. And I think also, you know, I know this is a creative podcast. So this is actually a perfect segue into something I really want to talk about. We need the creative community to help make politics cool. Mm. And, like, you know, Karen Civil did a little bit of it for Hillary. Yes, um, yeah. I think they brought her in too late and then build like, a really um, right, right. comprehensive strategy around I, I it. Agree. I agree. But there's something there to making politics cool, make politics something that you want, that young people want to be involved in. Um, and so, if the creative community could kind of find solutions around that, I think that that actually answers a lot of the questions that we're, that we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's hard. Politics is hard. Like, to get the things you want done, it's hard. Um, but, it can be done, especially when you have. Think about all the women that came out. Or just the people that, that marched for the women's march. Those was like what 2.5 million people across Crazy. the it across the country. That's like, incredible. Like think about the power that that group has. If 2.5 million people called one senator about changing the vote, um, to vote to vote no f- on um the confirmation of Betsy DeVos, mm-hmm. the um the education secretary. What We have 2.5 million people um all called. You know, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee to tell them we don't support, um, you know, your Secretary of State candidate, you know, this Trump Secretary of State candidate. Think about the power. You have 2.5 million people call Trump's, the Trump, they'll call the Trump White House and say we disagree with your, your executive order around illegal immigrants, around, excuse me, undocumented workers. Very powerful. You know, like that's power. Absolutely. And so there are levers that we all have that we just have to kind of tap into. But I think the creative community, I think the um, the charge that I have to folks here, would be like, how do you make politics cool? How do you use your, if you're a graphic designer, how do you create infographics that maybe can explain really yeah. difficult policy, um, you know, initiatives, but in like kind of in a very easy, mm-hmm. digestible way? You know, if you're a filmmaker, like, how, who's gonna go out and create that documentary around all the undocumented workers and their families that would be impacted by? You know, Trump's. Yo, executive have order. you ever
1: seen Day Without a Mexican? it will Yo, it's, it's it's like all the Mexicans disappeared, mm. and it's like basically what the world would be
2: like without. Painful,
1: right? Oh, yeah. It's a really interesting. I'm sorry, I had to interject. It's okay. You know, no, it's, you know? it's okay. No. Nah.
2: That's what I'm saying. We have to. Mm. We have to like Figure tell those stories. We have to um, illustrate for people uh, what people are going through, and 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 I think. Uh, um, that's how we i think that's how we kind of change the paradigm absolutely
0: and even to um my last couple questions i Mm want to ask um when you walk when you join a new company or join a new team and you have a project going on whether it be a marketing campaign what mindset do you go in with that team with how do you how do you figure out ways for you to add value like what position do you play when you join these teams to get to the optimum results listen Mm.
2: One of the things I think, the worst thing I think we do is, you know, we talk. We will not go in, like, I, I know, I know, I must, I know all this shit, so I'm just gonna talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the biggest, that's the first mistake people make. Um, so I always say, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, use them at that ratio. Mm. And so I always try to go in and just listen. Um, now, when I'm leading the team, same thing, I go in listening, but then I also kind of like try to set the framework. At the end of the day, um, Steve Jobs had a line. He said, "You don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. You hire smart people so they can tell you what to do." Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm going to tr- I'm going to set the framework and the safeguards of what you know what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Well, then let smart people let start. Let's just have the conversation. Let's brainstorm. Let's figure out what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes, I, like I set the vision or the idea that I I think I, I think makes the most sense bounce off a few people and then say all right can you help me color in inside color in the lines right, right, right. Of, of this of the framework that I've kind of I'm kind of thinking through yeah. um so that's kind of like how I kind of approach um you know cre- um the creative that I do but a lot of this stuff is like you know I'm I'm such I think a non-traditionalist like I don't believe in like just having people sit in the office like my best ideas my, don't come to me there like they come to me in the bathroom. They come to me mm-hmm. if I'm at a museum. It comes to me when I'm walking down the street. If I'm listening right, right. to a song. Like this, usually like doesn't happen when I'm just sitting still. It's usually when I'm like out doing something. Like, um, like you know, like I'll come up with an idea that makes sense or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like that's something that I like. I've always kind of leaned on is like, mm-hmm. um, like just kind of like just being open and like you know uh, allowing uh, the creativity come to me and not kind of forcing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But more, more often than not, like it's a collective process. Right, right, like right. I may think of something and then someone says, Oh, that's cool and then like, what if we added this? I'm like, that's awesome. And someone says, All right, cool, let's add this. And it's like, Oh wow, now we've come up with a plan. Right. Um, and so like that's kinda like just my process, like just like, you know, allowing smart people to do what smart right. people do. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and that comes from good relationship management skills and people management skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last question is: You take away the title, you take away the accolades. Um, who is Rashad Hm. Huh.
2: That was deep. That's right, it was that deep. Yeah. deep question. I think um, at the end of the day, um, it goes back to I think what I say. Like I, my, they say I, it sounds so morbid because we talked about death twice, but I'm gonna use it one last time. It's a fact of life. Man. Yeah. Um, there was a funeral at my church for a former uh, drug dealer. He was shot and killed. And my pastor was doing a sermon, and he said. R.I.P. He, he did say R.I.P., but on your tombstone, you have the year you're born, a dash, and the year you die. It's like your dash represents your life. What do you want your dash to say when you're gone? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, to, to kind of land the plane is like, I just want people to say, like, you was you a good, decent. You're a good and decent person. Mm-hmm that cared about people, that wanted to see the world, you know, as a better place when he leaves than when he came. You know, like, that is, like, my tenant, like, like, you know, it goes back to my thesis. It's like, I just want to, I just want to leave this place better than I found it. And, uh, you know, if if I can impact someone's life in a positive way or, you know, get someone, give someone a job and they're able to kind of provide for their family and, you know, um, Things like that matter to me. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents gave so much for me to be here. Like, I want to be able to, like, as my parents are, like, kind of on the other side of their life, you know, my father's 61, my mom's, you know, late 50s, that I can, you know, treat them to some nice things. Mm -hmm. Like, things like that matter to me. Um, So, who I am is just, like, it's a good and decent dude, you know, that's, that's it. You. That's it, man. I hear you. Yeah. To turn up every now and then. Right. Yeah. Oh, in my office at Revolta used to call me the Civil Rights Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sheri, She gave me that nickname, Civil Rights Ratchet. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I love it. A little band, that. Bougie's my favorite song. It's the best song of 2016. You need that balance, baby. Yeah, yeah. Baby. yeah, yeah, you need that, yeah. That, way. that balance. Yeah,
0: Word. for sure. Well, you already know, man. We're, we're more than honored to have the... The guy Rashad Drakefield on the Driven Minds podcast. We Facts. Up. You know, something like that. You know absolutely. I mean? That do okay? Shane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what You know what I'm saying? We should yeah. have mentioned that comment that he, he only did one other what? One other <laughs> podcast? One other, one other podcast. He's turning yeah, down yeah. them other joints. But he yeah, without, that
1: so way. For
2: sure. You know. Y'all the homies, man. Always. Salute. Salute. Yeah, yo, man.
1: absolutely, man. Where can we find you on the socials for
2: you, bounce? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, all of us the same. Uh, at Rashad Drakefield is my name. That's it. At Rashad Drakefield. Let's do it already. Cool. Yeah man, All right, as y'all. we always say, it's time. Stay driven. Stay driven.